I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point. Wow. Let's get this party started. Welcome back to the Outer Sanctum for another week. It's been a pretty big week in football with the round that went forever. I'm Emma Race. I'm Kate Sear. I'm Nicole Hayes. Alicia sometimes. I'm Shelley Ware. Wait, what? <laughs> Lucy Ooh. Race and Felicity Eraser are both out with general holidayness. No, they did the Wonder Twin Powers Activate and they came up with Shelley Ware. Oh my gosh. Shape of a Shelley Ware. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Improved version. Ooh, much better. Exactly. How are you, Shelley? I'm great. Yourself? Yes, well, we're very pleased to have you here. Marn Grook is back on our screens and it's had a bit of a facelift. It sure has. We're now on 8.30 on on a Wednesday night and we've got a stage performance just to the side you know it's all a bit exciting we've got some games some new panel members new. so new yes <laughs> not quite yet <laughs> <laughs> and you know a new co-host and Derek kick it so yeah it's great it's really exciting have you been enjoying the changes I have been enjoying the changes I think I get to be a little bit sillier so that's always a bit of fun. <laughs> well, we hope we brought you silly today. The other thing that I noticed that you had been involved in is at the W Awards where I saw you, oh, my goodness, glamorous. <laughs> Gee, you do an awards night well. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> that you were up on the panel, up on the table, reading out the All-Australian. When I say table, that does not give it justice at all. <laughs> it's like you were like in the tats, you were the tats lotto officiating well, people, yeah, reading out the Powerball. Like yeah. um, and you were on the selection committee for the all Australian. Yeah. Was that fun? Taxing? A lot of fun. What no, was a lot of fun. No, a little bit stressful. I'd get very nervous when I sent in my votes for the rising star every Sunday. And I wonder what everyone else, you know, you start to doubt yourself a little bit and you'd get a bit nervous. And then you'd see the actual winners come out on the Monday or Tuesday and you'd be like, oh, there's a lot of relief <laughs> around that. So, yeah, it was, it could be very nervy, nervous, but um, it was a lot of fun at the awards night announcing the forward line. It was it was very special to yeah. quote Bruce. There was no blazers. Was uh, there a talk of a baggy green or a blazer or I something? Know. No, there is no talk. But that's a really good thing. If I get a third year, I will certainly bring that up. Well, I have one other suggestion. I would love there to be an All Australian A and an All Australian B, and I would like them to play against each oh, other. Oh, that would be because I looked at that team and I was just like drooling, Dream thinking, team. "Oh my god, I want to see these ones play." I want to see them play for Carlton. That was. <laughs> would they wear the baggy peach? Oh, the baggy peach. The baggy peach. I wouldn't mind some tiara action, actually. Oh, no. What about, a Wonder <laughs> what about a Wonder Woman, like, power bracelet? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Something yeah, like that. Have we gone too far? I think we've gone too Fine. far. Well, they started it with the lasso. So, you That's know. True. We can oh, go with yeah. the whole Wonder Woman Cowboy theme. Boots. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, that mm. round of football went on for 
ever. Still oh going, is it? Did it not? I was exhausted. I was every time I turned on my TV, I was like, "There's more." Yeah. <laughs> so I was exhausted, and the games go for so long. Oh, right? <laughs> no, no, I know you get used, used to, to that. Yeah, you get used to the shorter games in the yeah. AFL. Oh. You think you know, just an hour and a half, and I'm done. I know. Totally. Off I go. Days. It goes on for days, and you are only half time exhausted. <laughs> Don't know how the players felt, but there were some massive talking points out of this week's round. Um, North Melbourne St Kilda was oh. a bit of a buzzkill. Heartbreaker. Mm. It was. I, I don't think we were expecting that result. I think from all the talk it was North that was going to struggle. lose that game and struggle. But, yeah, yeah they came through in the, but quite can a bit. How good Brown. is Ben Brown, though? Yeah. So good. Six goals in that one half. How oh. are your St Kilda family members um, packaging the current status? I had to pick them up from under the table. Mm. I d- yeah. Look, I like North and, and I was just s- celebrating the win, but um, my father, who is just saints through to his undies, literally <laughs> his undies, he mm. came out in his St Kilda undies. Well, at least someone from the Sometimes family had their undies on. <laughs> 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 that one's never going away, Alicia. No. Hello. Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they devastated. Yeah. Mm. Also, Shelley Carlton. Really, I really thought they might have won that game. But the yeah. Suns under Stewie mm. Jew, yeah. our old mate Stewie Jew, they're looking pretty good. But I, I was they expecting are. that Carlton. I keep waiting for them to fire Shelley. What's going on? Um, I think they're firing on the cylinders that they have. But I think they're just a really young group, and I think we just need to give them a bit more time. And we've got some fantastic names coming up. You know, we've got like Patrick Cripps, like mm. look at his leadership. He's a superstar. He's absolute superstar. And he will obviously captain that um, group of young men. And Charlie Kerno, no one has expected him to be as amazing as he was at the start of his season. But it's just the support crew, you know. We just don't have what is needed there. And, you know, we've still got... Um, oh, Let's get in Sam Petresky Seaton. Oh, you know, we can't get him so absolutely amazing. Yeah. And a few of the other boys and Jared Garlett, a new father. Mm. He um, had a little boy that, of course, he named Jared Garlett's junior, which is a bit gorgeous. <laughs> it was great to see his um, pace and his electricity on the field, but they just don't have it. Like, we're waiting for the, the likes of Silvani and Weedering to get a few more years. And, um, you know, Cade Simpson, he's putting his oh. guts, his heart and soul mm. into that. One of the older boys. So... It's there, but it just didn't come together. And I think the Suns just, they did surprise. And we only really got to see what they were going to look like in that really wet game where they had the really heavy ball. Mm. And so we didn't really know what we're going to expect. And they've come out this game and sort of surprised us a little bit as well, mm. I think. Tom Lynch has eight goals. Mm. Oh my yeah, I know. These I boys mean, with these the goals. resurgence of the, the tall forward, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? There were some amazing goals on the weekend. Buddy Franklin mm. just manages to pull them out of his socks. Those long, <laughs> those <laughs> long levers, mm. it's his long, like, he, it's like almost he doesn't even need midfielders. He does you know, not He kicked a snap from mm. outside 50. He's a magnet. Mm. I've mm. made no secret of the fact no. you girls know this, that I love Buddy probably above any other player I've ever watched play. Mm. And seeing him in the first two rounds, he's, I mean, how old is he now? He's th- mm, 31. Mid-30s, yeah. early 30s. Um, actually, I know he's 31 because I have a buddy cup at home <laughs> that has his go. date of birth on it. So that's how Uh-oh. I've just remembered it. I know. And also that I've face got... <laughs> tattoo that you have. <laughs> I have a buddy tumbler. Um, but, um, a buddy tumbler. Yeah, the buddy tumbler. It's a collector's item. And... Um, <laughs> He, but in the first two games, I mean, he's scary. It's yeah. scary mm. good, his form. And I think 
how can he be playing better and better with time? This is the and worst this, bit. you know, that yeah. there's certain games, and I think the game on the weekend was one where, from the moment of the first bounce, you just think, "Oh my god, oh, he's go. in Stand that funny show." You know, but then Chad Wingard yeah. as well. Oh, like those goals, his goals were amazing. It was a great game, and, and also, fast and fast. fast and and yeah. I, we're talking about people who look like they're getting younger. I said last week, Sean Burgoyne just mm. looks like oh. he gets younger every week, it's but then ridiculous. he's gone and done an old man injury. Yep. And it's yes. his, he's broken that. He was the third longest running. Have you got the stat, the stat for me there, Dr. Kathy? No, I just wanted to say something about an old person injury. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners need to know that Emma Race tried it, went, went to a children's trampoline bounce. venue yesterday, bounce, Unnamed. tried to do a flip and has, and has torn her quad. Can we say that? I've got quad awareness. I'm very aware of it. Just like Erin Phillips. We're film. Just like we'll Sean Burgoyne. We'll have some vision of her walking across the lobby of the ABC for you later. My eyes are welling up just thinking about it. I heard it pop. Oh, no. What was embarrassing was I had I decided to not be the mum who sits on the sidelines. Oh. I'm going to do this. And my most concern was that I was, would wet my pants. Absolutely. But actually, my three children really appreciated that I gave it a go. Um, thanks for being with me on that show. No um, but, but at least I had pants on, Alicia, sometimes. <laughs> and then I tried the forward flip and I thought I was doing quite well. You went, I went too far. I went the second forward flip, oh. did all right, and then into the third they were encouraging me to get more height. <laughs> and as I was coming out of the pike position, I chickened out and all the mums that were having coffee were watching me. Oh. And as I lay in the bag laughing <laughs> and spat it out, awkwardly crying. pretending that I wasn't, I was so embarrassed. And they were all looking the other way going, we knew she shouldn't have done that. That's why we're up here having coffee. Oh, not your friends. No. You idiot. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that. Um, we The Port-Swans game, I'm starting to think Port-Swans-GWS are the ones to watch for finals time. Mm. Um, I've got a very important question to ask you. If the Swans win the grand final they'll or if they're in the grand final, they'll light up the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House, you know, in the white and red. If GWS make the grand final, what will will they light oh, up something oh. in Sydney? There's that orange thing again. There's the other bridge. Homes. There are two bridges. The Anzac would, Bridge. The Anzac mm. Bridge. I would imagine, surely. Yeah, there are. There's two bridges because when they actually have the battle, they call it the Battle of the Bridge. Yeah. So there's in between the bridge, except my old brain cannot remember the name of that bridge, so apologies for I thought for it was called the Anzac Bridge. Yeah, it Maybe could it's be the not, Anzac But bridge. it doesn't have the same kudos as being. It does, either. really. That so made up in orange. Half, like they could do half of the bridge. Oh, that would look good. That would look nice. That so would be if fair. it was like them against each other. They would yeah. have to do yeah, half the bridge. That deal. would be the mm. Battle of the Bridge. Imagine how so Sydney would go off. Oh, oh imagine. Oh. Imagine. You really My are an ideas girl. That's why you got on the All-Australian panel, Shelley. And then I think we do need to talk about Willie Rioli. Because how gorgeous oh, the scenes oh. of the Rioli family! All, all they all play for different teams. They all support different teams, and they were sitting there together. And I thought Easter, Easter football really is a family time, don't you think? Mm, sure Did you get is. that vibe? Yeah. Did you enjoy? It's seeing literally those the only game that my whole family goes to is the is the Monday game, the Easter Monday, because I am the only hawk amongst a sea of cats. So how that did that is roll out for your family this week? <laughs> yeah, well, it was better for me than it has been recently. But um, yeah, there was it was a quiet ride home. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> apart from me, apart from you shouting <laughs> in your on. face at your daughters. But that photo that we saw that everybody has seen was absolutely stunning, wasn't it? To see Cyril holding the little boy and then the Daniel sitting next to him, it was just so gorgeous. Cute. Ovaries exploded everywhere. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> what about? Um, I think selectors' brains were. Um, 
exploding everywhere because when they were asked who's the best player, um, Uncle Willie said, oh, Tom, probably Tom. And then, <gasps> and then BT who? goes, who's Tom? How, how old's Tom? And he goes, oh, no, 28, 30. He's just back at home, just kicking the footy. And he goes, is that right, Cyril? And Cyril's like, yeah, pr- yeah probably Tom. <laughs> Excuse me, where is Tom? Someone got on a plane on that I very sure minute. It's like saying this uh, Sheila race. <laughs> Where is she? Well, we did have a fake brother, John, for a while when I was growing up. But I just no. wanted to mention, sorry, on the um, the Hawthorne-Geelong uh, game, um, Danger Woodlet yes. has oh, become yeah. a bloody name. And, of course, that is Gary Ablett, Patrick Dangerfield and Joel Selwood. They're known as the Holy Trinity and everyone was saying who can beat them. <coughs> Tom Not Mitchell. to me. <laughs> no. um, Lucifer but, himself, I would say. <laughs> that's Lucifer. right. But I thought here today we've got the Sear Race Hayes Wear Times. We can start that. Nice. Yes. And nice. it's not a Trinity because Trinity's three. And I looked up what is five. It's a quincunx. Oh, <laughs> that is a very dangerous oh, word to say quickly. quickly on the it's a quincunx, <laughs> and that's an arrangement of five objects <laughs> in the middle. So maybe this episode can be called quincunx. Mm. Yes, please. I think it, I write think it, it down, Nicole Hayes. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Too. Not sure how to say Cunnington. I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, Fascinating. But thank you for that. They're doing a spell check over there. Um, The other thing was the injuries. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, my gosh. Nicole Hayes. The worst being. In terms of the visuals, the Tim Broomhead, which I was watching live and actually yelped, um, walked out of the room. The second it happened, I watched it bounce like that leg's not meant to do that. Um, Don't Tom's, say bounce. I'm yeah, still no, having no PTSD. PTSD. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Flashback. Um, but, and of course, they replayed it multiple times mm. while I'm standing in the corner going green. Uh, the Tom Scully mm. for GWS is broken ankle too. But um, I think, you know, we, we, uh, there were so many injuries. And at round two, just for a, a little kind of rundown, at the moment, Adelaide has potentially 12 players who are out for the immediate immediate to medium term. Carlton has 10 players out potentially. A lot of these players are still facing tests and the length of time is, um, you know, still to be determined. But these are all players with an injury cloud. Collingwood potentially 11 players. Essen has eight players. Um, Geelong have eight. GWS have eight. North have nine players, including uh, Declan Watson for the whole season. Mm. And we know... Paddy Ryder for Port Adelaide, who's got four to five weeks. There are eight players potentially under a cloud there. Sydney has seven and Western Bulldogs have eight. Um, with Tom Liberatore out for the season and, and Liam to pick and we don't know how long mm-hmm. that's indefinite. So, I mean, there's been incredible the, the con- concussions, knees, you know, breakages. It's been a full-on couple of weeks. I don't know if there's an issue around the condition of the ground. I don't know. But it feels like more... More injuries and greater severity it just doesn't than seem ever safe before for the mental for the men. Yeah, no. the men's bodies may not be designed for football. For but is it testosterone? Mm. It's is their it hormones. Yeah, I'd say. That could be messing with them. <laughs> yeah. I know Felicity Race, if she was here, would be saying she's feeling very uncomfortable about yeah, men this playing this contact sport. So, should we talk about the Schadenfreude? Do you get a bit of Schadenfreude when you're watching like a low-scoring men's game and people are doing the adjustments, going, "This, if this was a women's game, it would actually be." It's on a par, you know. I mean, absolutely. I, I can't. I'm trying so hard to be a grown up about it, and not even though I did just say it's not safe for the men. <laughs> um, I do find the injury thing really confronting because people keep bringing it up. Do people think I want to hear that 
oh, it's not safe. Women get injured all the time. And I'm really, I've got to get that stat on hand that Felicity um, had, but we need to keep adjusting it because there is so many men getting injured in this game and people get injured, but you can't mm. live mm. like that. You've got to no. go, you've got to try a forward flip if you get the opportunity. <laughs> you you can you not do it again? <laughs> well, I actually added them all up. There are 107, not 107, sorry, that's Sean, Sean Burgoyne. He's 107 <laughs> games in a row. <laughs> Ooh, 126 boys are actually out at the wow. moment injured wow. in the AFL. That is enormous. I That's just could, I cannot believe it. And I, I think maybe we're just pushing them just too far, too hard. There is a lot of games. There are a lot of games. And we did that silly AFL X at the start. Yep. The, them, which was a complete waste of time, just quietly mm. and out loud. <laughs> and then, um, to you our know, audience, to our whole audience. That ALT series, I think, you know, their break isn't long enough. Like, you know. And we had a really hard, like, the grounds were hard. hard and, the, right. you know, that was a dry summer. And the, so the JLT didn't, oh, sorry, the um, preseason didn't really help with that either. So between yeah. all of that and the fact that the condition of the grounds ha- aren't what they normally are for a winter sport, mm. uh, yeah, yeah no, too, much. too much. Well, it just brings me back to the good old days, which is why I just want to quickly mention how impressed I am that the torp is back. Oh, in a big oh, way. In a big ways. way. And it's, a, uh, you know, I was looking around, it says the torpedo is not practiced in any structured way or considered uh, part of the ball movement plans in clubs. So they're not sort of sitting there practicing them. But boy, when they pull them out, they're exciting. Um, in the JLT, I don't know if you saw Geelong defender Zach Tui just send a torp. It looked like... 800 metres. It was 80 metres, but it was amazing. And I went back and watched it and just the, how impressive torps were. I remember as a kid, just a torp being one of the most uh, incredible things. Um, they The Geelong used it uh, in the first round and did you see on the weekend? Yes, they repeatedly. Pulled, repeatedly yeah. pulling it out and it didn't work for them a couple of times. And against uh, the Ds, uh, well, the Ds used it as well. Jaden Hunt, uh, to- mm. his, his torpedo fell short. But it's just the fact that the torpedo is getting a look in. And same with, let's celebrate, please, round of applause for the banana kick. Mm. Yes. Love the banana. Yes. I, I feel like it's not as successful. Like I watched a couple on the weekend that should have been more <laughs> yes. successful than they yeah. were. Because when you, I think people practice bananas more than they practice they do. any yes, other yeah, any true. other kick, right? So I would have thought Ruffy. Mm. Um, he was right Re- front. <laughs> Rewalt? Yeah, Rewalt did one too. He tried one as Bit well. There was a couple that missed. Yeah. So maybe more times into the banana. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's just good to see. And when it's pulled off, it's amazing. Mm. You know, it's Dacos like the banana. But the, the torp, it's just one of those things if you really got to go long. Mm. A drop punt torpedo is my fave. Well, I knew it was back because every time someone did one, my son yelled out, it's a torpedo, it's a torpedo, it's a torpedo. <laughs> oh, it's back, yes. It's, it's good back. for the game. It's Forget back. about the T-shirt cannons. That's what we want to see. <laughs> it goes hand in hand with the tall forward though, I think. You know, this, uh, yeah. the idea that you can send it down to a contested forward line and there's someone with big, strong hands ready mm. to take it. It's nice to see that we've got um, footy player brains back in the game a little bit as opposed to the athletes that they really tried to push on for many years. I Mm. feel like we're getting more footy brains back into the game. You can yeah, see the footy brain that. working, can't you? Yes. I feel like it's... The, sometimes they, you can hear it. Yeah. yeah sometimes. <laughs> um, do you guys, can we just do a quick a quick round of the table? Do you think Buddy will kick 100 this year? No. I'm going to say yes, but can I also say that we have an open invitation if you ever want to come home, Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> So you can say, Jeff. come on the show. Oh, I think with this old play of football. Okay. I'm liking it. Shall yes, we? this could be his year. Yeah. Mm, I reckon 99. Oh. <laughs> Brendan Favola. He's going to do a Brendan Favola. <laughs> Something like that. 
sport has been a very interesting landscape for mm. the for Australia for the Australian sport loving public <laughs> over the last couple of um, yeah. weekends and I guess you know the other codes are probably sitting back smugly going well like we don't have sandpaper in our game yes although I wanted yeah I wanted to talk a little bit about sandpaper and sportsmanship those two things um, over the weekend so I mean obviously yes um, the last week has been hugely controversial in Australian sport with those three cricket cricketers um, Warner Smith and Bancroft who've been suspended Um Obviously, they made a significant mistake and um, it was really unfortunate. But um, on the weekend, one of the things that I really enjoyed seeing was actually after the Easter Monday clash, the return of sportsmanship to the game. Because I don't know if you saw afterwards, there was so much affection and genuine respect between the Hawthorne and Geelong players. Maybe not Sicily and And Selwood. (laughs) (laughs) Probably exempt them from that conversation um, just in relation to each other. But, you know, the, the players really, particularly Dangerfield and Roughhead, embraced and they were they, they seem like really affectionate towards each other. And, and as I said, the players really look like they had respect for one another, which was great. Um, I, but I did want to mention an incident that I experienced because I went to that game. And um, someone who didn't show much sportsmanship was a man who was in about his 60s who was sitting near me. And after the siren, my partner and I were singing and celebrating the Hawthorne win. And this man came down the stairs. I'd had absolutely nothing to do with him for the whole game and just randomly got up in my face and screamed at me oh. with some expletives thrown in as well. Oh, I won't say it because it was he. No, but the, the general theme. gist. The theme. general gist was that Hawthorne were lucky oh. and oh. Right. that I was not a very nice person. <laughs> Something to that effect. Because you wear brown and gold. Yeah, essentially. Um and I was just so taken aback by it, you know, and mm. then he went and screamed in somebody else's face oh. on the way out too. It was just, it just, and it's not a thing about Geelong supporters because I must say that we sat near a, a, a Hawthorne supporter who was probably the most unbearable <laughs> supporter I've ever sat mm. sat near. She was relentless from start to finish. But How is Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> Sheila. That's Sheila, right? That's right. Sheila but, I mean, we have talked on this show before about the importance of being able to go to the game and enjoy it and not feel threatened. Mm. Shelley, you've talked about about this on our show before yes. experiencing racism and having your son with you and exp- mm. hearing um, racist vilification from the crowd Lucy has talked about being told to go home and bake a cake mm-hmm. by a bloke on a, on a previous mm. occasion and, and some magpies once told me to stop clapping you <clears throat> expletive yeah yeah. Mm. yeah and so you know for me I just thought among apart from anything else you know it lack it really does lack perspective. I love footy more than anybody, but I just think there's absolutely no need to behave like that. So this is a week in which Adam Simpson flew home and um, because he had a sick daughter, Kale Kirby from Collingwood collapsed in the VFL game with heart problems and apparently is okay, which is wonderful. Um, there were horrific injuries, as you said, Nicole. Tim Broomhead broke his leg and and so on. And we saw very vividly, particularly with Steve Smith, the the impact of um, you know on him and and his well being. As um, people are very concerned about his health and well being moving forward. So I just urge people who go to the game, you know, keep it in perspective. It was interesting because there was also an incident with Damien Hardwick walking through the crowd mm, and yes. someone said something and mm. he turned around. And I feel like Damien Hardwick is a fairly level-headed coach of all of the coaches. You know, you rarely Absolutely. see him punching a plasterboard wall or... or swearing at a phone. No, you or don't. Or attacking a phone. You don't really so love see that. 
He's yeah. so loved by the players for that exact reason. I was surprised by that because I don't know what was said, and maybe it doesn't matter. But, but he I actually just heard away. He, he was at what the what the um the spectator had said was you can't win away from the MCG. So it wasn't actually yeah. very Could provocative. It might have been just a little close to home. I don't know, but it was seemed like a fairly banal sort of comment, according to what I heard um on the uh, Croft and Hurdy uh, podcast. I was could listening you, to. Could you imagine yelling that at someone? Yeah, no. I know. I cannot imagine. It's very Especially weird, someone that's it? given you so much joy Absolutely. in football as Damien Hardwick. My like, husband has a theory that these people are in a position in their outside life that they have no power and they have no control over, like maybe at work where they have a, a bad boss mm. themselves. And they come to these spaces where they just feel that they can express themselves mm. in this manner and they bring their outside world into this space and take it out onto other people. Their outside voice. Their inside. outside mm. voice. The MCG. I feel like that about keyboard warriors. Yes, yes, I often exactly. think they must be deeply unhappy. Deeply unhappy people. Um, and incels for the most part. Yes. Well, there you go. Um, Nicole Hayes, there was – some people did get in trouble this weekend at the um, – Yeah, the, um, the old uh, – yeah, Mr P. Uh, Off to Mr P's office. Old uh, AFL is making some bank this weekend. There's been <laughs> quite a lot of fines handed coin. out. Serious coinage. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of players, uh, inclu- including uh, Rory Lobb and Jordan Lewis. A few of them kind of both on either side of the wrestling matches. But the two players who actually are going to have a rest for a week are Jack Bowes from um, Gold Coast Suns. He was charged with engaging in rough conduct against Jacob Wiedering. I've never been able to say his name right. Is that right? That's yep. right. Exactly. From Carlton. Yeah. And, yeah, so he was offered a one-match sus- uh, suspension. And James Sicily... Uh, for that incident that got lots of coverage, kneeing Joel Selwood also can take one game if he accepts an early plea. So they're the only two that have resulted in a holiday. Um, but uh, there is about, I think I worked out about $15,000 or $20,000 of um, fines happening just from the one round. Well, wow. That's fascinating. There was an interesting chat this week on ABC Grandstand with Mr. P, the very same (laughs) Mr. P, and he actually blew it open a little bit about how it works and how he is the figurehead for the... um, for the process, but actually is not the only person Mm. making the decisions. But even more exciting than that, listeners, Limo called him Mr. P to his actual (laughs) face. (laughs) Do you want to hear the audio? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Chris, you were on the match review panel for three years. Yeah. And now it's just you. You are Mr. P. Yes. We, like re- <laughs> we like to refer to you. So, Mr. P, it is. <laughs> it's official. I love it. it. Just, it and he said it and just rolls on. Like, okay, Mr. P. And we're done. That's and we fine. just keep going. So, it's out. The genie's out of the bottle. He listens. Yeah, do you reckon he does? Yeah. <laughs> Shelley, you made some observations of uh, Dockland Stadium. This hmm. week. So during the season now, the Etihad Stadium, they've changed their roof policy. So if their management decide that the weather is nice, they're actually going to keep the roof open. Now, of course, this caused some issues with some shadows during the Carlton game on the weekend. But I watched that game and honestly, I did not notice. So I watched it. It didn't bother me as a viewer. A lot of people put in a lot of complaints. But once again, people like to complain about silly things that really don't affect the way the world works. And But what I... <laughs> What I thought was when everyone was complaining so much, I watched that AFLW season with the disgusting, hideous shadows that almost looked like another person was playing the game. And I thought, well, I didn't notice it because of that exact reason. So I thought, 
it's just really it's not nothing it was not I did not notice a single thing it's funny you should say that because I was watching the Carlton game and I did feel in the navy blue jumpers when they would run into the shade they would disappear they were running into oh. a tunnel and I couldn't quite see them. I'm not oh. great on the old vision, though. So that was the other like, thing. Um, I thought maybe it was my old eyes, but no. I d- it didn't bother me. It was no- I thought it was noticeable, though. Yeah. And I thought also the players. It must be so difficult to play when you're running from the light to the shade and looking up, and it mm. must be that so is challenging. Right? Yeah. But then you think about the sun. And in, on sun, on Monday yeah. at the game, as yes. a spectator, there was a point when the sun was like straight in our eyes. And I also think, well, I imagine, you know, you don't that have a roof play. at the MCG, Absolutely. but how many times that would have been a factor for some of the players, where especially if you're going up, it, it was brutal, that yeah. sun. Mm. Have you done that before? You're just kicking, playing kick to kick, and you just look yes. up and you just hope. Yes, I've done that. Ball's gonna yeah. not Received hit your the head. ball to the head. Yeah, falconed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, concussion. There's a there's a segue, Kate. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, look, an article caught my eye yesterday. Um, it was in the Law Institute Journal, which is the professional lawyers um, journal that I get every week and it was an article by Annette Greenhow called A Knock to the Head and what it was all about was the development of concussion litigation in Australia and cases to watch and where things might be heading so um, it was really interesting and we have talked a lot on this program about concussion and concussion litigation. Um, In that article Annette Greenhow brought to our attention that not only um, is this a live issue in AFL, but also in rugby league, and a player by the name of James McManus, who played for the Newcastle Knights up there, has issued proceedings um, against the NRL and the Newcastle Knights, and he's alleging that they were negligent and that he's got a a series of um, pretty awful and pretty significant ongoing medical problems as a result of multiple concussions. Um, And she also talks in that article about the mention of, or the possibility of the AFL class action that we've been talking about for a little while now. Um, But one of the things that she mentioned um, really was interesting to me and that is that sports people are generally excluded from ordinary workplace compensation schemes so most of us if we're employed um, are automatically protected by schemes like work cover or com care or the equivalent in your state or territory um, and our employers are actually required by law to provide compensation protection to us but in a sport like AFL that's that's not the case there's actually an exception in the law and And so it's left to the contracts, um, the individual contracts that players have, um, and, and that's the sort of entirety of the coverage. And so the argument is partly that the protection that players have got is inadequate and that that's why players are now considering litigation because they just don't have ongoing medical care and other, um, expenses that they need. Excuse me. Um, but one of the things that I met, that I noted reading Annette's um, article was that some player managers have been for a while arguing that this is a denial of basic human rights on the part of footballers. And that caught my eye, of course, because we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about Katie Brennan and her making or launching a human rights complaint. Um, and she got she's copped a lot of flack about that, bringing, you know, apparently bringing human rights into footy. Um, but this suggests that, of course, that kind of argument's been around for a little while now and that the players are wanting to make it in relation to concussion. And so it got me thinking about whether we are increasingly going to see human rights type arguments made in footy. Um, I think it's a space that we need to watch, particularly over the the next sort of six or 12 months as some of these cases begin to play out. Um, And 
on on that note, I just wanted to say because human rights has been such a live issue in recent times, last year we had a colleague of mine, who Professor Sarah Joseph, she's the director of the Caston Centre for Human Rights Law. She was on as our guest last year to talk about the links between human rights and sport. Um, it was in an uh, episode from August of 2017 called Rules Football, and it's worth, if you haven't heard it, going back and having a listen to because she argues very strongly that human rights protections do apply in sport and should apply. And as I said, I think we might hear more about this over time. It mm. seems like it's basically human caring for another human. Absolutely. So it's, yes. it's, it seems like a basic thing. But it's interesting that being subcontracted or working for yourself that you don't often get um, the rights afforded to you for work care and work cover and so forth. So it's really interesting that they're coming. You you'd mm. presume that mm. under the banner of AFL that they would get this that uh, consideration. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I... I did have a look at the the. I went and had a look at the law, and and it is ex- specifically ruled out, except in Victoria for for people who um, are involved in horse racing. Funnily enough, that's wow. the one exception that is covered. Yeah. I don't know why that is, um, but you know, yeah. I mean, I think that it's something that probably does need to be looked at going forward, or that the protections that are um, embedded in AFL players' contracts need to be revisited. Absolutely. I keep coming back to when we spoke to Ben Brown and he said we're not just people who get wheeled in and out yeah, from underneath um, Dockland Stadium every week and yeah. the image of that and the fact that he would even say that makes you think mm. these players may at times just feel like they're a commodity mm. and yes. they are actually got a lot of working parts. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And it is their workplace. Yeah. So, you know, of course, why wouldn't they be as entitled as we all are? If we had actual real jobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real job. Yeah. No, don't be rough. Kate and Shelley have real jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, another thing that happened during the week was there was an announcement of some rule changes to the VFLW. Um, it's been getting a lot of discussion on Twitter and we have invested in this conversation because we think it's a really important one, especially when we look at it f- through the prism of equality and equity um, across women's and men's games. But I thought the best thing for us to do in the first instance is actually speak to a VFLW player to see how they're feeling about that. And we are joined by one member of the Hawthorne VFLW side, Steph Carroll. How are you, Steph? Oh, hi, Emma. I'm good, thank you. I'm excited, but also a little bit nervous to be speaking uh, to the Outer Sanctum Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad to have your expert opinion because you do play VFLW and you've been training with Hawthorne um, for, well, a couple of months now, ready to um, prepare for this season. So these new new rules, um, I believe that you received a memo or something. How was the information given to you at training? Yeah, so we were made aware last night. So I believe uh, the club was notified a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they just needed some time, I suppose, to get their head around it. I mean, how they might need to change our game plan or our structure. So last night we were told as a team that these changes would be coming in this year. Um, so I guess, you know, it was uh, it's disappointing to probably sort of hear about these changes only sort of six weeks out from the season. Um, particularly, you know, there's been a lot of preparation that's gone in over the last five months um, from the coaches and players. So it's frustrating, um, but the club is having conversations with the league about it at the moment. Steph, it's Kate here. Um, you mentioned that you, um, as a team, heard about it last night, but are you aware, do you know if there's been any sort of wider consultation process with VFLW players, clubs or coaches? 
Yeah, I, I can't speak extensively about that because I'm, I'm, I'm not aware. Um, but the feeling that I'm getting is that there probably wasn't um, or it certainly hasn't been made clear that there, were, that there was adequate consultation. Um, but certainly as a player, I don't feel like there's been adequate consultation. Um, and there is, I guess, a degree of frustration around, I guess, not being included in the discussions about how our competition is being shaped for us. In terms of uh, how these rules are going to apply, this is, mm. as far as I understand, only at the VFLW level. What, what happens for the rest of the players or how's that going to translate across the different levels? Yeah, again, so that's, I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions really at the moment and, and that's certainly something. So um, we certainly need to ensure that there's consistency across all levels of the game. So, I mean, there's not only just TAC, VFLW, AFLW, but you've also got that middle tier with the local leagues and... Um, I'm not aware of whether these rules will be going across all, all the leagues or not, or whether it would just be VFLW, but I think um, it, it would be quite confusing for players to have to be sort of transitioning through the different leagues with different rules. So one argument's been that it will improve the quality of the game. How do you feel about that? Yeah, look, I, I'm undecided. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I think the aim is to reduce congestion, but on the big grounds, I think the zones will make it difficult to rebound a defensive 50, um, and that you know could lead to more stoppages. Um, so I sort of, you know, I think the format of the VFLW over the last couple of years has has, has improved. Um, I've only sort of been involved for say four years or so, but I know that in that time the quality's improved and, and that hasn't necessarily been off the back of rule changes but just off the um, the competition becoming more professional and having better access to coaches and resources. So um, I'm probably unsure or not convinced that rule changes are necessarily the way to go and maybe it's just more about investing time um, into, into players and coaches and pathways. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. A bit of time needs to go with this. Now, one of the things that I'm most concerned about is one of the breaches that happens you get a warning and then what happens is it's a 35 meter out in front of goal which is um, to me quite startling and they've asked that the com that the umpires use common sense approach um, I just mm. I'm just not possibly sure. go wrong yeah, well, I'm just not sure that this is going to be feasible what, what yeah. are your thoughts yeah look it's it's going to be difficult and confusing I think and and we'll, we'll start trialling these rules in some of our practice matches to get a feel for it. But, um, look, I think there's definitely some frustration from the girls and, and, and there was there is a little bit of, I guess, anxiety um, about these changes and, and um, you know, what that might mean. I mean, you have to remember there's a lot of new girls, um, also a lot of girls that are new to the game or just coming into the game um, for the first time and they're coming to terms with the rules and the basic structures as it is. So you're adding these new rules and it's just a whole new layer of confusion for them um, and you know we, d we don't know if you know the benefit of it um, and so hopefully look, the, the club's discussing this with AFL Vic and and hopefully they can get some more clarity around these decisions and the changes and and how you know they think it will manifest and and what the reasons for these are. Steph, what was the um, reaction from the players? I know I had a reaction. We all had a reaction in here, but um, but when the women's game keeps getting tinkered with, what's the feeling like? Does it make does it make the players feel like it's something that that, that it was needed, or do you, do you feel does it kind of make them feel like well they they just want to play the game that they've grown up loving? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know 
the yeah the girls want to play the, the the game that they've known um and that's that's the rules as we see in the AFLM um you know it's it's exciting to be able to to play the game but it's frustrating to sort of have these changes thrust upon us constantly but also with sort of what seems to be a lack of consultation mm. um you know so it's, it's it's the new format of the vflw is really exciting you know the clubs are aligned to afl and vfl clubs and it's a really big step forward already in the women's game just to have access to those resources and and the coaching um you know and i think will you know it's already occurred over time and it will continue to happen is that the players will just develop organically by being in these environments and um you know i think you know it's important for all the key stakeholders to be involved in these conversations and so that includes the players it includes coaches the clubs the state bodies and the afl and you know i think the key message here is if we can all work together we can you know try and create a really sustainable, enjoyable product into the future. Mm. Thank you so much for giving us your thoughts, Steph. It's good to know what, you know, what the takeaways were for people who are actually really impacted by this, um, not mm. just the, the fans, because the fans certainly have an opinion on it too. Um, and, it's, and it is mixed, but um, mostly people were shocked, I think, and surprised. But it's um, good to hear from you. So thanks so much for giving us your time. No, thank you for your time and thanks for all you're doing supporting and promoting women's footy. Appreciate it. It's good to hear from Steph. I think what we need to remember is that at the moment at the VFLW level, it's a very vulnerable time for the VFLW at the moment because we know that a lot of the clubs that had been there and had a long history have been dismantled and that the there has been an extension of AFLW um, branded clubs into the VFL. Um, for some of the some of the players and especially um, some of the AFLW players, they're on holidays at the moment So, mm. and some of them don't know where they'll be playing their VFLW. So they, even if they had concerns about this, where do they take it? They, exactly. don't, they may not have um, played their hand or decided mm. where they're going to go. Carlton VFLW doesn't even have a coach as we saw in the seek.com mm. um, advertisement for their coaching position last week. Um, so it's, it's a strange time and I'm concerned about making huge rule changes um, that will potentially fall through the cracks and maybe people will feel like they just have to absorb the rules and not speak up but if you my concern is if you start changing the rules here where does it end mm. absolutely you know we we saw the AFLW girls take on 16 aside and they didn't feel that that was necessary we saw them take on the lasso rule also mm. they didn't feel that was necessary um, and they're taking these things on saying, sure, okay, whatever, we just want to play. But when does that good grace run out? Yeah. Mm. And I think, I mean, there are real questions around the process, um, the the limited amount of consultation, but also the message that's being sent. You know, you're wrong-footing the players, you're undermining coaching, the coaching staff, all that work that they put in pre-season for months and months and suddenly their game plans are out the window. And it undervalues the VFLW broadly, I think, as a competition in and of itself. So it's it's not a great look, is it? And when you get sure footing and it's all been going for a few years, then we can assess what we're actually looking at because it's really interesting just even looking about the torpedo punt. I mean, in 2011, they were t- uh, AFL were toying with the idea of creating 12 points if you kicked outside the 50-metre mark for the, pre- the pre-season <laughs> right. game. I mean, can you imagine, that, you know, so many rules we've been up in arms about 
um, because we've got that following with the AFL, but the AFLW just needs a lot of love and time. Mm. The other thing that the AFL has is the Players Association to go yeah. in and um, work for them. But I don't but. know that there is a VFL W Players mm. Association. I don't think it's covered there, is I, it? I don't it? think it is. I don't think so. I think no. Nicole Livingston's their port of call. I think she needs – that's where they go to. So, yeah, I think that's that's all they've got and they're themselves and their supporters and, and people like you that are speaking up and saying this is wrong. I think it needs more consultation. I don't Absolutely. think you can send a memo in the gap week between an <laughs> AFLW and AFLW. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned before, Em, you know, once these rule changes come in, where does it end? Mm. And I have a very cynical take on, on where this is heading. That P- surprises unsurpri- no one. That's <laughs> <laughs> unsurprisingly. But um, the real fear for me is that if you introduce these rule changes, it's going to lead to a diluted and substantively different version of the game and I think that matters for two reasons one is as we just heard from Steph Carroll that you know women themselves want to play Australian football as they know it it's as simple as that they don't want to play um, a a very um, different vastly different version of the game but the other one and this is my more cynical take um, is last week when we were talking again about Katie Brennan and her human rights complaint I explained that part of the way that discrimination law works and part of the kind of basis for Katie's complaint is that um, in discrimination law what you do is compare whether say women are being treated less favorably than men and in order to do that you compare like for like apples for apples in Mm -hmm. in Katie's case AFLM and AFLW but if it turns out that AFLW and VFLW become totally distinct Um, somewhat unrecognisable versions of the game, it may become possible to then say under discrimination law, for example, the AFL can say, well, look, we can treat women differently now because, Mm. you know, whether it be in terms of rules or pay or um, the sanction system, whatever it might be, um, because this is a totally different sport to AFL-M or VFL-M. And in other words, I'm fearful that this is the start of a slippery slope of changing the goalposts on these women and that the introduction of rule changes might end up protecting the AFL against sex discrimination claims into the future. And mm. last week, Carolyn Wilson published an article in The Age about the proposed charter on mm. women's footy. And the, the very first sentence of her article said that the charter was with the proposed charter was designed to help um, establish the parameters in which AFLW would become a unique and distinct yeah. game. No, we and want that our is my fear. Absolutely. That's my fear about where this is yeah. heading. And I know I'm cynical about it, but no, it I've spoken like to some other like discrimination it. lawyers. They feel the same mm. that it's a strategic They're move. The That's why it matters. Well, maybe there's no coincidence that we had Katie. What happened with Katie two weeks ago, and now we've got this rule change. Yes, and we've got the likes of you educating the likes of myself that this is actually probably some very clever lawyers sitting in AFL house working this out themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's my concern. You may Mm. have caught some cynicism there. I'm going to take it one step further and just remind people that if you watch the Our Our Watch video on um, the reasons why sport is important in um, helping stamp out um, domestic violence and violence against women is that it draws the um, analogy or it draws the illustration that when women are treated differently not equally Mm. and given a different set of rules to men it makes women other and therefore it informs through sport 
and this is where we're talking about it, of, of course, it informs the community that there's a different set of standards and rules expected for women for treatment of women and treatment of men. Now, Our Watch is a partner of the AFL and they have signed on together. So I am hopeful. Um, that I think this is a trickle-down effect and I, think, I don't think that I'm being a hysterical female in drawing these um, similarities or drawing these kind of lines of um, query. And if you are being an hysterical female, can I say that's okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's some <laughs> of our you. best that's women that's in the right. past were right. hysterical females. The quincunks <laughs> of us all <laughs> <laughs> can come together. You are starting something. And we can fight. <laughs> Okay, so without being too Hawthorne-centric, we do have an interview for you this week in addition to speaking to Steph Carroll. It is a Hawthorne person, but bear, bear with us. Um, I had the absolute pleasure this week of speaking to Patrick Hill. Um, Patrick is the was formerly a coach, the senior coach of the Frankston Dolphins in um, uh, down here in Victoria. He was an, a former assistant coach of the Box Hill Hawks men's team. And a couple of years ago, Patrick decided to make the switch and coach women's footy. He was the inaugural coach of the Box Hill Hawks women's team, now the Hawthorne Hawks women's team. And you will find almost no more passionate advocate or ally for women's footy. Um, Patrick and I sat down for what turned out to be um, a very emotional and very impactful interview, one of the most kind of profoundly moving interviews I've conducted with anybody. And he is just such a promoter of women's footy. He talks about all of the reasons why it matters far beyond the game. And I think you will just love this chat and love Patrick as much as I did. So, Patty, you originally coached men's footy. And then a couple of years ago, you decided to make the move to coach women. Tell me, why were you interested in coaching women's footy? Um, it probably stemmed uh, part out of necessity uh, in that I'd lost my job coaching at VFL footy and I, and I did want to stay in elite football. Um, having said that, there, there was a few offers out there uh, with other VFL clubs, uh, albeit most would have been as an assistant coach. Um, one of the things that happened when I was at Frankston, though, uh, being that we weren't overly successful on the field, we probably had to find some more reasons of why we were doing things and why I was coaching, and 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 part of that was uh, you know producing better citizens and and um, producing young men that you know we'd be really proud to have in your community. And, and through that work, we did a bit of work uh, with making a pledge to White Ribbon, uh, mm-hmm. and I was quite vocal in that. Um, it's been something that's been a, a little bit of a passion of mine for for a long time. Um, in that I probably didn't have the best upbringing. Yeah. Um, so I was really, I was really proud of the young men that we had at Frankston and, and the pledges they made. And um, when the offer came around uh, to coach women at uh, at Box Hill and, and with Hawthorne, um, I probably thought that there was no better way of, um, I suppose, um, putting my money where my mouth was and, and standing up and, and being able to make actual change and, and, and help uh, help women in our community become better and the thing I suppose with with anyone that's playing elite sport is by association you you straight away become a role model Mm -hmm. and and I'm not sure there is enough role models for young women Um, so this is my opportunity to stand up and and be counted and and I I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah that's beautiful tell me how do you feel coaching women's footy do you enjoy it? I I really love it Um, yeah I said to you before that um, my family aside, uh, being with the, being with these young women is the, the absolute joy of my life, and uh, I get so much pleasure out of it. Um, they're very, 
loving and caring, and and while it's it's great coaching men as young men as well, particularly at elite level, you get some fantastic young men that you get to coach. Um, men are obviously a lot. Uh, not, not as forthcoming with their emotions where women certainly are and, and if women appreciate what you're doing for them and, and you respect them and, and show them courtesy and, 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 and involve them in the process and they'll uh, instantaneously tell you how much they love you and what they mean, you mean to them. So that part of it's really, really uh, good. It's like I've got you know, 40 more daughters and, and you know, <laughs> um, so if my own daughter's not overly happy with me for, for a day, I can just go and find one of 40 more that may be uh, on the positive side for the day. So. Yep. So you mentioned that you started out at Box Hill and yep. um, with the VFLW women's team there and now um, those women have moved formally, officially across to Hawthorne. Yes. Um, so tell me, do you get an opportunity now that you're based within the Hawthorne football infrastructure to learn from people like Alistair Clarkson and to talk to them, to pick his brain? Um, you know, that's the plan going forward is that we want to integrate... Um, you know, our whole business, uh, whole of business together, and and anything that's available there for the men um, is available for the women too. And, and we, if that's IP, then uh, you know the, the everyone at Hawthorne now is really on the same page. That um, this is a Hawthorne football club. We've got three teams, uh, one club, and and any advantage we can get from the from the men's side of it uh, will go through the women's side. Uh, having said that, for me personally, I've sort of been in and around. Uh, the Hawthorne model since I was an assistant at Box Hill Men. So, um, how, how the how we play the game at Hawthorne and, and how we treat people and, and what we want from our people is probably not something so foreign. But I know our assistant coaches and our, our fitness staff are um, really getting great gains from from being in that environment full time. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some really big names that you're bringing across to the Hawthorne VFL women's side this yeah. year. Can you tell us who's joining the club? Uh, well, Phoebe McWilliams is probably the one that most people out there would know, um, who's a very strong marking uh, key forward, can also play key back as well. Um, she was a, a member of the St Kilda Sharks last year. She was on their committee. She's been there for 10 years. Um, just a lovely, lovely person um, that we think is going to make a real difference to our side. So um, she'll she'll probably play mostly forward for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Perkins is a... Probably the one that I've had the most uh, correspondence on on social media when when she was coming across, and um, people just seem to love um, Sarah. So again, she'll she'll be playing forward for us, and and probably the thing we lacked last year was some some firepower down forward. So it's great to have those two on board. Uh, Rebecca Beeson uh, from GWS has uh, also come across, um, who will play a bit of mid for us. Um, she was um, ranked above average in AFL 1 and she, she was a rising star nominee round 1 this year um, as a high half forward, but we think we can get some midfield minutes out of her as well. Mm-hmm. And Beck Privatelli uh, will, will come again from GWS, who's a, an elite intercept mark and will probably end up playing across the half-back line. And probably the, the, the most pleasing one for me would be the return of our own Emma Mackey who um, we are also proud of at, uh, at Hawthorne and Box Hill, um, who probably didn't have the AFL season that she, she was after this year uh, in opportunities, but um, I'm, I'm sure given uh, next AFLW season and when people see what she can do on the inside, um, she makes a massive difference to our club and we just love her to death. Yeah. Now, we've just recently finished AFLW season two. Yeah. Can you offer any reflections on how the game's evolving, Paddy, from a coaching perspective and what you anticipate going forward? 
Yeah, look, I think it was certainly better than AFL 1. I'm a big believer in width uh, rather than depth uh, as a means of opening up the game. Um, Early in the season, I probably saw that half the teams were still playing very skinny, um, but teams like the Bulldogs and Melbourne really like to open up the ground and use the whole width of the ground. And, And it was no surprise to me after watching the Bulldogs in round one and watching how much of the ground they're prepared to use and, and changing shape when they go forward and switching lanes that they ended up the Premiers this year. And, mm-hmm. and I said after round one, I thought they were comfortably the best side I saw, although I thought the Adelaide-Brisbane game was probably the best game I watched in round one. And then when we fast forward to uh, the last round and, and then the grand final, those two teams, the Brisbane, I thought... Um, I think probably player for player um, are a tremendous team and probably my favourite team to watch mm-hmm. um, personnel-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bulldogs and the way they move the footy um, and the chances they're prepared to take. and they, You can actually watch them too. They can actually compose the ball now too. It's not all go, go, go. We've got to temper our expectations, I think, a little bit with where we expect the game to be. But... Um, my experience of coaching women for the last year and a half, two years, is there is no problem, absolutely no problem teaching women the game plan. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably the opposite. They take it on far far quicker than men do um, because they do listen to me um, <laughs> um, and, and they ask questions and they mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions uh, to the point where I can get frustrated at times but you know, they're, they're there asking them. And I, I think if I have a meeting with, with young women... I've probably got a window of about an hour to talk to them and they will still be asking me questions at the end of the hour and that's about the max and if it's a meeting with young men it's probably about 15 minutes before they're looking out the window and that's not having a crack at the the young men I've coached it's just in our in our nature and I know if I'm in a meeting too long that I start to look out the window as well but um, so there's no problem with them taking on the game plan I think they're far advanced and you know, to see what the Bulldogs are able to do this year and, and how they're able to play the game with fast style, using with composure, hit-ups, you know, I think they're a very talented list and, and uh, yeah, I think they thoroughly deserve their flag. Yeah. You, you hinted there, Paddy, at the fact that there has been some criticism of the women's game this year and there are a number of people who are knockers of the game. You must encounter people that you know, maybe friends you have or yeah. barbecues who ask you, why on earth did you want to coach women's footy? How could you how could you possibly enjoy yeah. that game? What do you say when you hear those kinds of things? Um, it's frustrating and, and, you know, jumping on social media sometimes, uh, you know, like I, there's, there's so much bad in the world and, and, and sport's something that I, I love so passionately and it's, it's a great family thing for us. Um, it saddens me when I get on and see such negative connotations put towards uh, people and, and my players. Um, even recently, you know, we signed a player and uh, to, to hear, read some of the tweets that were going on, just, just terrible that we, we talk like that. Um, you know, there, there's so much to love about the women's game and, and, and I've probably talked about it before that it's, it's not about the sport as much for me and the, and the winning and losing. And as much as I hate to lose, we've got... So many problems with our young people in society, um, and what, what what young men and women need is role models. Uh, we we need to pour money into sport because elite sportsmen are the people that are behaving best in our society. They're doing all the right things. They're they're going to bed early. They're not drinking. Hopefully, they're not taking drugs. Um, they're portraying role model behaviours in society. Um, so we need to provide these role models. And, and the clear fact is, there's not enough role models for women. 
Mm-hmm. There's not because we put young men on such a pedestal from the time they're seven to the time they start playing AFL. If we look in television, you know, it's predominantly men. Um, if we look on the news, it's men, it's men. It's, it's, it's all over. We, we need to provide role models for young women. And <clears throat> I say to our, young, our girls all the time that, you know, even when we're losing games, we're having an impact on, on the community because you are role models. And young girls will look up to you in their hardest of times mm-hmm. and, and find a way forward to, to find resilience, to become better, to, to, to achieve the best thing they can. So, so to hear, you know, friends of mine or read on Twitter or, or Facebook, and I know we say just get off it, uh, to say that, oh, I don't like this sport, it's not good enough, it should be taken off, um, when realistically we're not even marketing it towards these people. You know, if, if, if a 35-year-old man sitting on his couch has only ever played reserves footy in his life sitting there saying this is not good enough, I don't like it, no-one cares, mate. It's it's not it's not for you. It, it's you you are now irrelevant in this whole conversation, and and that's that's the thing that that annoys me the most is that they think they're relevant and that we're actually trying to get more men on board women's footy. And I don't think it's about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's much more than than just being about the sport. And I haven't even touched on what sporting clubs do. Um, for, the, for removing isolation, you know, and people that are isolated in our community. And we know that with domestic violence, one of the, 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 the big things with domestic violence is to isolate the woman from the rest of the community. And, and by providing more opportunities for women to play sport, it gets more opportunity to be involved with clubs. And maybe there's not the isolation mm-hmm. that these women endure. Um, Thanks, Patty. That's all right. Take your time. If we remove the isolation and we increase the support, maybe domestic violence doesn't happen. Yep. You know, maybe this can be the last generation where it does happen because of what we're doing here. Yep. Can I ask you, Patty? I mean, I wanted to ask you about this anyway. I I think of you as the kind of Greg Popovich of Australia, right? Greg Pop- Popovich is the coach of the San Antonio Spurs in the United States. <laughs> but he's he's a coach who is outspoken on social issues and political issues and and doesn't mind having an opinion. And I see you on Twitter having an opinion, you know, imploring people to be more compassionate, more empathetic and and so on. Obviously, um, for you, sport's a, a platform, a way well, to do, a way to... It, it is because at the moment people care yeah. and, and I have a voice. Um, it's not a great voice. I'm, I'm, I'm not an AFL coach. It has a massive pool of voice. But, you know, when I do write things, I, you know, because I do what I do, I've got a few more followers on Twitter and people will listen, so it's my opportunity. And while you've got an opportunity, I think for me to say nothing... Um, goes against everything that I believe in. And, and I say this to the girls all the time, that one day I'll be sacked and no one will care one iota what I've got to say and I'll be a grumpy old man living by myself, or hopefully with Tara still, <laughs> uh, my lovely wife and, and my two kids, uh, but they won't care what I've got to say. So while I, I can say stuff and I have do have opinions, um, then, I, then I'll speak them. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you do, Patty. One, one last thing I want to ask you about is Hawthorne's chances of getting a licence over the next few years, and and do you um, do you imagine yourself or envisage yourself being part of that process and staying at the club? I'd like to be, yeah, yep. I'd like to be, but that's probably it's, that's not a decision for me. The only thing that I can really concentrate on at the moment is just being the best coach and and role model. Uh, for the girls that I can be um, and and hopefully if I do that well enough that will look after itself. Uh, 
probably a little bit similar with the licence situation, um, that we can't get bogged down at the moment uh, worrying about do we have a licence, do we have a licence, how can we get a licence. What we've got to do is promise on, or deliver on what we promise uh, to the young women that are coming into our club and to the young women in our community that we're going to do everything we can uh, to develop these young girls and young women uh, into the best citizens they can be and do the best footballers they can be um, and that we're going to try and make football in the eastern region as good as it can be and if we can do all those things well enough um, there's going to come a time when it's going to be irrepressible that mm -hmm. they, they have to give us a licence uh, if we just co concentrate on just trying to get a licence we probably lose sight of the bigger picture and that's always the why we're doing this and the reason we're doing this is because of the things that I've mentioned today um, because we want to be proactive in um, providing role models and we want to be there for women in our community and it's not just about getting a licence or getting 5,000 more um, members or getting more sponsors. It's genuine and what we believe in and we believe we're in it for the right reasons and if we are then we're not going to really worry about a licence in the short term and just get on with the job. I know I said that was my last question but I want to ask you one quick quick extra one um, because we talked a little bit about it off air. You had difficulty getting an opportunity coaching, didn't you? Yeah, initially at local footy I, I did. Um, it's a tough game and it's probably changed a lot coaching over the last few years where we're starting to recognise and understand that coaching is about managing and teaching but certainly when I started in the coaching game it was certainly about how good a player you were, um, you know, were you an alpha male, did you light up the room when you come in, were you tough, could you speak with a stern voice and could you yell and scream and use mm -hmm. profanities, um, you know, did you like to be around the boys and, and all that boys sort of school stuff and while I'm not sitting here saying that I'm, I'm a, uh, an angel and haven't been at times, um, you know, not the best best person, um, I certainly wasn't one of those alpha male types and, and it was always in, um, said that my communication wasn't good enough and there's no way that I could hold a, a, a group and, and, you know, because I wasn't a great player, I probably wouldn't be respected so there was, there was no opportunity really for me to get a, a job coaching other than being uh, an assistant but um, I was really lucky that a, a couple of coaches sort of saw something in me that gave me an assistant role um, and then one of those coaches, uh, the legendary Damien Carroll, uh, gave me an opportunity to, at uh, at Box Hill as an assistant and uh, you know, I thank him every day that he did because I was probably done with coaching at the time and, and it, it got me onto a, a path not only to be a better a uh, better coach, but to be a, to become a better person, and I've learnt so much in this game. Um, but yeah, it wasn't easy getting that first gig, and, and my first actual senior coaching roles of of AFL club, and which is uh, which is a bit unusual. But um, yeah, it's all it's all good now. I'm glad you gave you an opportunity. I'm glad you got it, Patty. Thank yeah. you so much for talking to no us worries. in the Outer Sanctum. I just want to say, well, so it's such an honour to, to to be interviewed by UK because I, I listen to the podcast every week, and I always find that when I when I finish one of my runs and I've listened to the podcast, I, I think I'm a smarter person. <laughs> well, that's lovely. Thanks, Patty. We appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Oh, thanks for that interview, Kate, and Patrick as well for telling your story because I know that probably wasn't a very easy thing to do in a lot of cases, a lot yeah. of ways for him to open up like that and um, it was a great interview. Thank you. Now, some quick other business before we wrap this pod up for the week. Kate, we've seen some player, uh, some fan engagement, I should say, that has taken a turn. Is it a turn for the worst or a turn <laughs> for the better? Well, I think it depends on your take. Um, 
in the in the first round we saw the West Coast Eagles playing at home at the new stadium and instead of entering through a banner they entered through a giant inflatable eagle <laughs> under which they hid initially and then emerged through smoke through smoke yeah it was almost like, like they were getting nested or something or being birthed or something yeah. it was very it was all very very um strange uh there were there were mixed takes on it, and I I waited with bated breath to see whether it would happen in round two, and it didn't. They entered through an ordinary banner because they were playing away. Mm. So I'm wondering whether it's going to be a home mm, game thing for the rest of the year. Yeah. And we well, got so, confirmation on that, yeah. Shelley. Okay. It is. So I went on the West Coast website and <laughs> thank you, Shelley. <laughs> thank you. Personally, rang them myself, but <laughs> and it's, they said that it was an home thing, and that away they will run through a banner for the rest of the year. So I'm mm. just wondering whether it's going to take off with any other team. <laughs> And I've been wondering about what sort of giant inflatable things people might enter through. Oh, I'm worried about the dockers. Alicia's brain is ticking. <laughs> a bomber. And the giants oh, will fly over. That's right. The giants won't go well. But how do we feel about it? Do we like it? Do we think it's do we think it's gonna be a, like go sorry Shelley to say this, but will it go the way of the hovercraft? And <laughs> The Batman reveal. Was that one of yours? Was that one of yours, Shelley? But they also. Oh no, that's okay. Let's not talk about that now. We're not talking about them. So, Joker and the Thief is also what they've come out to, not the traditional um, song. So, written by Wolf Mother. I think um, people don't like change, essentially. And I, I wonder. One of my biggest things that I thought of straight away was what about those boys with their superstitions because I know a lot of AFL players who like to tap the The banner banner. as they go through or like to be the last one through the banner like it's part of their their actual game day that was actually my biggest concern was did they consult grab an eagle leg grab an eagle (laughs) leg tap tap that tap the beak the left wing (laughs) the left wing talking talking about people don't like change have you heard Jeff Kennett talking about changing the suburb name of Dingley to Rioli (laughs) yes can you talk us through this M why um, is it being proposed? Well, because Hawthorne is moving their um, training facility to Dingley and Jeff's decided that Dingley's not a good enough name of a suburb, so why wouldn't you call it Rioli? Why to wouldn't be honest, you? Why would you call it everything? I might change my name to Rioli. <laughs> but, um, but we thought it would be... Well, we thought if you're going to do that, there's surely some other suburbs that could do with a yes. little facelift. And I was like, well, why isn't Northcote then called Bob Murphy? Yes, mm. yes. Well, in that case, I think um, Malvernese should be rename, renamed Cochin in honour of Trent Cochin. <laughs> Malvernese. He's, so, he's very Malvernese to he me. He is very Malvernese. I feel like Roville, Roville is very Dusty Martin. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And a bit of um, maybe some James Heard for Turek. Can we go oh, there? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He'd have to beat Maguire. <laughs> that we, no, he gets broad meadows. Oh, he gets broad meadows. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was just thinking Brereton and Werribee, but... Um... <laughs> Isn't he Frankston? Yeah, he's Frankston. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Frankston. Let's go with that. Frankston. Okay. <laughs> well, I've got Jackson for Sid Jackson at Carlton. Oh, so I think there are nice. even bets at Westlakes now. He's just taken yeah, over the place. Oh, I yeah. thought Carlton would be called Sylvani. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Sh- or, surely. I do Katogio. like Sid Jackson. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Who doesn't want to live at <laughs> Surely Nat Fife has to be, um, Surface Paradise has to be renamed Nat Fife. Oh, yeah. There's only one flaw in this plan, though, and that is that players, because players change their hairstyles and other things evolve over time, it could mean that a suburb becomes very quickly outdated. So uh, I, I'm thinking here, of course, well, no, I'm thinking actually, of course, about Bendigo, which last year would have been named after Ben Stratton with his penny farthing moustache oh, and so on. Nice. The, the, the oldie worldy Goldfields mm. theme. But that now that much town more Moorabbin. But now, <laughs> that's right, now that he's got those long flowing locks yeah. and that cracking mullet. 
Yeah. Go Bayside. Maybe every 12 months we could just change it. True, true. Um, I'm going to go for Isaac Heaney to rename Bondi. Oh, yes. Is that good? Because he's so golden brown. Heaney Beach. Okay, one other crazy. You should let us know on Twitter and socials. And by the way, people, we haven't put out a call and say you can review us on iTunes. Five stars. Please do that. Yeah, if you wouldn't (laughs) mind. But we love hearing from you on Twitter. And something crazy good happened on Twitter this week. Absolutely. Somebody bring me some water. (laughs) (laughs) What happened was Melissa Etheridge, the one and only, the first, the mother of homosexuality, of angry let's call it, like the first women, ever yes. gay woman in the world. Is yeah, that what we're calling it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, close, close with Ellen DeGeneres. I think she was like yeah. tw- 20 years ahead of coming out yeah. in front of Ellen, mm-hmm. right? She'd be Ellen's homegirl. Like yeah. she'd be... The anyway, mental strength. She was in Australia. She's in Australia. She was watching AFL football. She was tweeting about it. Nicole Hayes, you alerted me to this and from the outer sanctum I said, would you like to come and watch football with us? And she got engaged with us. She and engaged to us? No, she yeah. didn't get engaged, engaged. to us. No, she was already married. She, was, she, was, married. she started chatting with us and I think a lot of people who listened to the pod got in involved and invested people were screenshotting it people were squealing no more (laughs) than we were (laughs) lots of squealing and the upshot is this she can't fit a footy game in which is disappointing but she (laughs) has invited a bunch of aflw um, players and in fact us and a few of our um second tier media superhero mates (laughs) to come along and meet her and go to her concert so tonight we're Recording this on Wednesday, I think you will see Erin Phillips and the girls from Adelaide, Courtney Garmeven, who is an Adelaide resident, going to the Melissa Etheridge concert and meeting her beforehand. And then Friday night, we are all up close and personal with her. And I cannot quite believe that this is happening. It's amazing. You've done a great job. Shelley, I went away for the weekend and I was off the social medias and I come back and we're best friends with Melissa Etheridge. I know, right? (laughs) We'll probably go on tour with her. Yeah. I love your work. Love your work. She would have heard us sing. The nicest bit about it has been sharing the love and sharing the joy. And none of this would have happened without Leanne, who is a um, music promoter, who Mm -hmm. watched the whole thing. She's a huge AFLW fan and her daughters play and they love the Western Bulldogs and she watched the whole thing unfold and she picked up the phone, rang the music to a manager or whatever of Melissa Etheridge and said, I can hook you up with these people. They're good people. She yeah. vouched for us. Don't you love the yes. AFLW family? The That's community right. of it. Yeah. It's awesome. amazing. So, um, I mean, to be honest, we are as, as excited about going to a gig <laughs> with the players as we are. Yes, I know. Who, who are we fangirling over Melissa most? Etheridge. So, everybody be cool, all right? <laughs> okay, I just can't promise I carried a watermelon. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, we'll be dusting off the pleather, as Beck Goddard said, and um, getting along to see her, ironically, so at exciting. Margaret Court Arena. Oh. So, bring your rainbows, <laughs> ladies. Thank you so much, Shelley, for joining Thank us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was oh wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Would you be my big sister and I wouldn't need those other two? <laughs> Sheila will race. I don't think that'll work. Okay. All right. I'll try again <laughs> next like, time. I'll just squeeze in. I'll be number four. <laughs> Make sure you get in contact with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and wherever you, you know, find your podcasts. Oh, my gosh. Nicole Hayes. I just wanted to say one thing. There's an awesome new book. I'm a little biased, but an awesome new book out there for kids on footy, spectacular AFL stories. It's um, 12 short stories from Australian authors. For kids, it's um, George Ivanoff, Cheryl Clark, Tony Wilson, amongst Nicole the others. Hayes. Oh, Nicole some Hayes. random called Nicole Hayes. Yes. Anyway, we. I'm hoping to have some the authors on to have a chat. So that'll be coming up in the in the near future. But we get saw out you there. On TV. Myself a copy. We're on we TV. We saw you on TV. And I got on my copy autograph. Oh, Spectacular. Go get it. Keep writing, Nicole. Uh-huh.
You really, you're coming along good, really good at it. Really good at it. You don't give up the day job, huh? We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening and go, go footy. footy.